0: i have one but you have to promise that it will not be like something that goes on instagram
1: (laughs) no promises (laughs) right
0: well then i can't say it i can't say it (laughs) you can nft it later but yeah all right Oh, you guys stop recording here too hello my friends
1: thank you for joining us for the pepcac podcast information security show featuring some all-around good people. It is officially week six of 2022. I'm Chris Lee and this week I bought a lego kit and it's missing half the pieces so I have that going on. Worse yet my 49ers lost the NFC championship so we will not be going to the Super Bowl this year. On the bright side happy lunar year to everyone and the hosts are wishing you a healthy and prosperous year of the tiger. With me, I have my
0: co-host, Brian Deach, who I'm desperately hoping is wearing pants for the recording today. Uh, rest assured, I'm wearing pants and a sock uh, for this recording. And yeah, happy uh, Lunar New Year. I'm sure all the flat earthers are high-fiving each other in their mother's basement. Not even too sure what that really is. And uh, I'm with you. The uh, Not that I'm a 49ers fan, but I definitely would have rather have them go to the Super Bowl than freaking the Rams. So... Bravo. And my last thought on your little opener there, Chris. Uh, so you're like 40 years old and still playing with Legos. Uh, you know, maybe after the podcast, you can call me up. I'll tell you what it feels like.
1: <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's, there's something to be said about offline activities. Not everything has to involve a digital screen. <laughs> and be careful about mentioning flat earthers. You might get a shadow band again. Oh, that's right. So that actually reminds me, I need to ditch the Lego kit with the missing pieces uh starting the year off incomplete is bad luck. Joining us back again is our co-host Glenn Medina. Glenn, welcome back to the podcast. Hey
2: everyone, welcome back and thanks for joining us. Happy to be back for podcast number forty six. Uh yeah, it was uh quite a trying time for me. Uh for those that you guys may or may not know, I had a death in the family and uh, it was a bad time for me last week and thank you all for your warm prayers and regards and everything else um I, I, it was heartwarming to know that so many people cared enough to reach out to me and 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 uh, wish wish well for me and my family um just looking at this guys you know we're about 4 weeks away from episode number 50 and 6 6 weeks away from our 1 year anniversary can you believe this
1: yeah I'll time have to do something special
2: yeah time flies when you're having fun i guess yeah it truly is. it's been a, it's been a, a great ride with you guys and i hope we continue this so
0: yeah definitely i will not stop until we're the no more I'm podcast on the planet you hear me joe rogan they're so coming for you joe he's
2: lost a couple of viewers. he's cut he's lost
0: a couple of viewers this year this this past week <laughs>
1: Well, no guess this week, as we are recording at an unusual time due to what should have been our company-wide in-person event that got cancelled last minute. Combined, we have decades of information security experience and here not just to educate, but to entertain. We've got four awesome stories for you this week, so sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. For our opening topic, former Prince Harry and Meghan Markle have finally revealed where they stand on Spotify's policy regarding the spread of COVID misinformation. I'm just kidding because literally nobody cares what they think. In more important news, Paramount Plus unveiled the official trailer for its highly anticipated science fiction series, Halo, based on the popular Xbox game franchise. And in literally breaking news just a few hours ago, Sony has acquired Bungie Studios, the makers of Halo. The first of footage revealed a premiere date of March 24th. I'm super excited and can't wait to see it. How about you guys? Were you guys huge Halo fans?
0: So I've never actually played Halo, but I'm aware of it, and I did see the trailer while watching the games this weekend. And I'm I'm not gonna lie, it, it looks pretty good. I uh, you know hundred percent in on the the Master Chief.
2: Yeah, I I used to play, and all of a sudden started getting um, vertigo. So now if there's anything with a screen and first person shooter type thing, I get dizzy real quick. So. I have uh my gaming days are pretty much of things of the past now
0: dentures and depends going to be so far away there Glenn I'm telling you <laughs> I'm telling you it's coming <laughs> I'm not that much older than you Brian but it's coming to you too I uh, know
1: <laughs> what about you Chris are you, are you stoked for this one I am super excited for it I used to play Halo I played Halo Halo 2 I think it started to die off after Halo 3 I think I got interested in other things but I was going to ask Glenn, because I know like Halo and Call of Duty were huge in the Army, I guess, when you were overseas, and you had the Xbox, and you were nothing else to do to pass the time. Was was that a thing when you were in the Army? Uh, when I was in the Army, it was 1990
2: to 97. I don't know if Xbox and PlayStation was a thing back then.
1: <laughs> I think I, I think they, they, may, they might have just been released. So yeah, maybe you were on the previous yeah. gen, you were like in the... Maybe it was like N sixty four Goldeneye. was that a thing?
2: Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. Super NES when I was in the army. Okay. Yeah, and uh, th- there was no such thing as online gaming because when I was when I would get on the internet, it was the AOL CD, the discs, and it was dial up. So I, I doubt there was high speed internet back then. Yeah,
1: I mean it was like uh, the split screen, like a four way split screen. Just
0: have four guys playing like local LAN. Yeah. Nothing was better yeah. than like getting a snipe kill with the, uh, the rocket launcher from you know three rooms across. Really had, <laughs> you, you guys remember that in, uh, in Goldeneye? Was it Goldeneye Ooh. or Eagle? I can't remember. It was 007 something. It's Goldeneye, yeah. When I played Goldeneye, I remember the rule was no
1: odd job. No one was allowed to play odd job because he was shorter than the rest of the characters and he had a smaller hitbox. So that was just the flat out rule no odd job. <laughs> I do remember getting invited to a couple of LAN
2: parties, but I, like I said, you know, vertigo started settling in real quick, and my my gaming days were not were not were not were not long for me.
1: I did some research on this topic because I always knew that video game to movie adaptations did not work. So here are some flops: Super Mario Brothers, Mortal Kombat, Street Fighter, Doom, Assassin's Creed, World of Warcraft. Double Dragon, House of the Dead, Silent Hill, Prince of Persia, and Need for Speed. And I've watched probably more than half of those, and yeah, those were those definitely disappointed. I did like Sonic the Hedgehog and the Resident Evil uh, movie adaptations, just because I'm a huge Resident Evil fan, so I was glad to see them bring that to life. And then my favorite, absolute all-time favorite video game to movie adaptation is the Hitman series. Uh, The Timothy Oliphant version, not the garbage Agent 47 one they made later.
2: But but hold on. There there were two Mortal Kombat. There was like seven Mortal Kombat. Well,
1: no, no. This latest one uh, was actually really
2: good. I don't don't understand. How could you not like this latest Mortal Kombat?
1: Okay, I think I gave maybe the first three a try and I said, all right, this series is dead to me. But if you vouch for the latest one, then I'll, I'll give it a shot.
2: Yeah, you should watch it. It's actually not that bad.
1: Mortal Kombat 2021. Uh,
2: yeah, it was. Uh, it was. It was. It was decent. I think it's. Uh, it's. It's something that you should
1: watch.
0: Yeah, I don't think that I've seen any of those meetings. Mo- I'm sorry, any of those those movies, including the latest Mortal Kombat. But I'm kind of with you, um, Chris. When I first saw the Halo trailer, I was like, hmm, you know, this probably isn't going to work. And then I just I made it all the way through. I was like, oh, there, there's a chance. And I'm wondering why. I don't know if it's this that it's not so far out that it wouldn't or maybe i just know nothing about the game so it just looks like it could be a good movie yeah i think it'll, it i think it might do better in a a movie series it's, it's like a
1: movie but in a series of shows rather than try to squeeze the entire canon of a story into two hours that form factor might work better but we'll see well i'll have to watch it and we can make it a topic on the podcast right, i'm down
2: and and how could you not like street fighter with john claude
0: Damme? Um. <laughs> hold on <laughs> I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Maybe in Bloodsport, but that was yeah. probably about the last time I enjoyed old John Clogbound Dan.
1: So, fun fact, I actually took my now wife on a date to go watch the Silent Hill movie when we were dating. And for the record, she hates horror movies. So it was just a testament to how much she loved me at the time to sit through a survival horror movie just because she knew I was enjoying it.
0: Oh, well, on a topic of really bad ideas back when, you know, still this was not my wife, but dating a long time ago. I thought it'd be great to play uh, the Eminem song called Kim. I don't know if you guys know what that one is. I'm familiar with that. For On, on a first date with a girl that had just gotten out of an abusive relationship. So that went <laughs> okay. nowhere real fast. <laughs> oh, well, lessons learned, right, Brian? Yeah. Dodge that bullet if you ask. Alright, for our opening topic, I thought I would
1: chain a few stories together for an interesting discussion. A group of security researchers at ZecOps have developed a novel technique to trick a user into thinking they rebooted their phone when they actually did not. As you may know, one common method people use to clear their iPhone of malware is to simply reboot their phone. The iPhone's hardware chain of trust only allows boot up if the boot up firmware has been digitally signed by Apple and has not been tampered with even many jailbreak techniques will not survive through a reboot. While this novel attack tricks a user into thinking their phone was rebooted just by showing a black screen and showing the shutdown and startup logos so the user believes the phone was rebooted, but it has not and the malware persists on the device. And this works on iPhone? Yeah, yeah, they inject a process that stops the reboot and then it plays the animations without allowing the phone to actually reboot. What does the uh, the malware do? Command and control. Well, yeah, it it can be any malware. Like when I was researching malware for iPhones, if you guys remember Flexi Spy back in the day, it was some garbage spyware that you could put on your spouse's phone to spy on them or spy on your kids. Uh, it explicitly said after iOS eleven or something, it will not survive through a reboot just because of the way Apple secures their device. So there is a lot of malware out there that you cannot allow the person to reboot their phone or the malware gets taken out.
0: I pretty much gave up like trying to jailbreak any iPhones after they started doing the digital sign. Cause it was like, after, if you have to reboot and you lose that flexibility, it was kind of a turnoff. Interesting.
2: Yeah. No kidding. I, I, I want to know just how did it start to begin with? Right. Cause what's prevent them from actually clicking on that again and getting the malware again. Is it, Text message that usually initiates that that uh, that theft or that
1: that malware. It's usually something like the, something the NSO group would create. It'd be some kind of zero-click remote code execution. Just send somebody a malicious PDF. The PDF parsing engine has a has a bug in it, and then it launches their it, you know jailbreaks their phone, and then it installs the malware. So that's typically why you would have this. And then it's valuable to have the user think they rebooted to give them a false sense of security that they wipe the malware, but it actually is still on the device.
2: Yeah, that's like... I don't know if you guys used to do this, but remember Windows... Windows and the automatic um, screensaver, right? Yeah. If you uh, save an image of a blue screen of death and then the screensaver turns on. <laughs>
1: oh, I had a lot of fun with play that. that. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, that was fun. I, I think the website is like fakeupdate.net. It's something like that where you can click on any of the screens. It'll do like a Windows update. It'll do like a Mac update. It'll do uh, a blue screen of death. And then it opens it in the browser window. If you hit F11 in a browser, it makes it full screen. I tricked so yeah. many of our coworkers that forgot to lock their computers when they walked away. I'd just run a Windows update or I'd run a fake Windows update or a fake Mac update, and they'd be sitting there waiting for their, their thing to finish. But it was just a web page the whole time.
2: True. Yeah, I think I had my yeah I had my boss, like, rebuilding computers, like a couple computers. He must have rebuilt, like, 10 computers before he caught on that it was just a screensaver. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I can that remember. This... Yeah, go ahead. So that'll teach you to lock your computer when you go to the bathroom. <laughs> do you ever remember the the old tower PCs that would have like the actual lock on it like the, for whatever yeah, the f- reason? Yeah, or... physical padlock so you can open it and seal the hard drive. Yeah, my favorite thing to do is walk and drag my feet on the carpet and then touch those and then just have the computer just turn off. Did you ever do that? <laughs> so in, in, in typing class, I'd walk by and zap everything and get the teacher all pissed off. <laughs> you have to replace all the hard drives you fried. Well, I guess the uh, the warning here is that if your phone is running hot, I, I got to imagine this, if, this malware, if this malware can somehow evade all the sandboxing that's going on in the uh, iOS platform there, then it's probably going to get hot. It's probably going to be uploading a ton of data. So I guess there'd be some type of indicators there that you've been hacked.
1: And I think the surefire way to know that your phone has been rebooted is drain the battery to zero and then just let it shut down on its own. Although there probably could be some kind of animation for that too. Like when the battery gets to 1%, it plays the animation so you plug your phone in. So, not foolproof but, you know, a phone can't can't run on air. It eventually has to charge the
0: battery. Or you can send it through the most secure cloud proxy in the world. That's time for a different discussion. There you go. <laughs> and And
1: on the note of iPhone type attacks and malware living on iPhones. Uh, there are reports that the NSO group, we've talked about them quite a bit on the podcast, uh, there are reports that they're circling the drain after a wave of bad PR from them allegedly spying on Israeli citizens and journalists and export bans, which totally killed their business model. So experts believe that even if NSO goes out of business or shuts down or gets sold off to another company, the market is simply too lucrative for someone to not fill that vacuum. So as Long as we're living on our phones there's always going to be a market to hack into those phones legal or not
0: agreed there's uh, some dude i follow like on youtube and he will post videos of like his setup to basically brute force into iphones he's like this one tells you know basically on the complexity or how long it is he's like i can tell it will probably take about you know 34 days and he's like it could be faster it could be slower and in my mind i'm like damn man people are you know, they're relentless when it comes to this. There's a market to into getting to, into these phones. Well, just look at
1: the U.S. government. After the San Bernardino shooting, the U.S. government paid an Israeli firm, I think it was $850,000 just to unlock the phone. So if it takes 34 days and you can make almost a million dollars, that's that's worth it.
0: Was the information that they got worth 800000 grand though? No, no. There was no useful information <laughs> on that phone. <laughs> You know, Chris is like, "Yeah, I'm the one that unlocked it," and I'll tell you what: there was you know, pictures of people's feet. And that was I. It. I helped pay to unlock that, so I'm not. I'm not happy that there's nothing
1: useful on that, and that's not a good use of taxpayer money. You and Glenn. <laughs> the funny story for that one is: uh, well, number one, the county of San Bernardino was too cheap to put the MDM software on all the phones. I think they put it on about half the phones. So if they put the MDM <laughs> solution on this phone, they would have been able to unlock it. No problem. And then number two, the FBI bungled the investigation. They reset the iCloud password. So the phone couldn't back up to iCloud. If it had backed up to iCloud, Apple could have turned over the backup and we wouldn't be in this mess, but in their infinite wisdom, they reset the iCloud password and locked themselves out. Shut the front door. This was a company owned device. It was owned by the county, yes, the county of San Bernardino. Oh, my gosh. It was the iPhone, if you remember, it was the iPhone 5C at the time, so it wasn't the 5 or the 5S that had the fingerprint reader, because in theory, if it had the fingerprint reader, you could use his fingerprint, but they paid for the cheap phone, the iPhone C, which did not have the fingerprint reader, and they did not pay to have the MDM software installed on
0: it. They bought a lot of iPhones with fingerprint readers for eight hundred grand. that's all I'm saying. Yeah. (laughs) That's yeah. messed up. I had no Hindsight, idea.
1: hindsight's twenty twenty. As a follow up to our story last week, that disk wiping malware is starting to take out systems in Ukraine as a precursor to an invasion, we have a story where the U.S. Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, or CISA, is issuing a stark warning for U.S. organizations to prepare for disk wiping cyber attacks. It's not that Russia will be targeting US organizations in particular, but they will likely be collateral damage in a war with Ukraine. Just like NotPetya started with Medox, the Ukrainian equivalent of Intuit, but rapidly spread around the world with anybody with operations in Ukraine. And that's the problem with cyber weapons like Stuxnet, is that they're impossible to contain to the target or even borders Stuxnet Stuxnet tried its best to conceal itself by only activating its full payload when it was on a machine running the centrifuges in the Natanz nuclear enrichment facility in Iran. However, something went wrong with the programming, and Stuxnet was crashing random computers in Iran, which eventually led to its discovery.
0: I had no idea that that's how they actually discovered it.
1: Yes, if you... Read the book "Countdown to Zero Day" by Kim Zetter. She actually goes into a lot of a lot of detail. But yeah, there were security researchers that got, uh, I guess, some people in Iran, like legitimate companies in in Iran, were calling this this uh, cyber company and say, "Hey, my computer keeps crashing." And then they were starting to see this happen a lot over Iran. And when they took a deep dive into it, they're like, "Hey, we're, there's there's a piece of malware here that's in common with all these, and they, they're only popping up in Iran and maybe a few other
0: surrounding countries." When do you think the IT guy that was over at the nuclear facility was like, I wonder if this has something to do with this centrifuge going haywire all the time?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I don't know know when they put two and two together. If it was when, uh, so Symantec was actually, I think, one of the leaders in researching this malware. And I think they were the ones that were, they they didn't know there were national security implications. They said, we found this cool new malware. We're going to publish everything we know about it. And I I think they might have gotten a a knock on the door by some three-letter agencies to say, hey, uh, can you knock this
0: off for now? Probably like ABC or Fox News, right? (laughs) 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 No. All right. So do you think that this malware coming out, you download it, just wipes your device, or do you think it's going to try to spread east to west and then wipe your device? I have a feeling it's going to be wormable. Yeah.
2: Yeah, why wouldn't they? I mean, they, they have access, right? It's just a matter of being able to go and look what's adjacent to it. Why not take advantage of that?
0: What I really need is like a Robin Hood type of malware that goes out there. Looks like Brian paid his taxes. In fact, he overpaid. <laughs> Let's just go ahead and take care of him for the next uh, you know a couple of decades. That'd be pretty rad. Yeah, I wonder if they're going
1: to program some type of safeguards in place. Like, we've talked about malware that says if you install the Russian language keyboard, then the malware will not execute because they don't want Russian targets to be collateral damage in this. And as far as I know, they don't speak Russian in Ukraine.
0: Or not parts of it, at least. But, you know, like, going back to my little joke (laughs) about (laughs) uh, the Fight Club type of uh, malware, Robin Hood type of malware, you would think that the IRS has a big enough bullseye on it that like they're like on top 10 lists or top 10 most hated things that you hate, right? Like, you know, traffic and I don't know, Jack in the box tacos and stuff like that. IRS has to be up there. You would think that they've been hacked at one point in time. They just must do a superior job of keeping all that stuff private. I'm actually, I'm actually impressed the more and more. I think about this. What's wrong with Jack in the box tacos. It's the, uh, the violent diarrhea. Damn it! I'm giving you another NFT. <laughs> <laughs> the liquid lava pouring out of you later on that night. Hey, that two for a dollar, man. That's awesome.
2: What are you talking about?
0: They're good. Yeah, supply chain issues. What? No way. That's like that's as good as the uh, the Costco hot dog and a soda. Dude, that's a buck fifty. You can't. You can't. Uh, yeah, you can't go wrong with that. No, you you can't. can't go wrong
2: with that.
1: Yeah, they, they've tonight. all. They've described a Jack-in-the-Box taco as a wet envelope stuffed with cat food, but they still have a very large cult following.
0: I've never heard that, but it's I'm the, going with it.
1: The, the, the
2: problem is if you let it sit in the car for for any extended period of time, the oil that leaks out of it is just super nasty. Yeah, I'm sure if you it's leave... It's leaking yeah, out in yeah. one way or the other. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe you need that grease in order for it to
1: make its way out. <laughs> Alright, for our next topic, for the scumbag story of the week, a ransomware group out there hacked into a subcontractor or a data processor for the Red Cross and stole a bunch of data relating to highly vulnerable people. One of the missions of the Red Cross is to reunite families that have been separated or torn apart due to armed conflict or natural disasters, and the way to keep track of people is through a database so people can look for their loved ones. A database of 515,000 vulnerable people was stolen, and the Red Cross is pleading with the attackers not to publish or sell the data. This is an instance of where a cyber attack can have real-world consequences. I can think of two groups of people who would be highly interested in this data. One would be dictators and warlords looking for political dissidents and their enemies. Knowing where your enemies are and their families would be a tremendous would be tremendously valuable, and I think you can all imagine why. The second group would be the Signals Intelligence community looking for people of interest or people on watch lists. Suspected terrorists have families, too, and they may use the Red
0: Cross to help locate their loved ones. I can think of somebody else. It actually happened this week. Yeah, it happened this weekend. It was at the uh, the 49ers game. Oh, there was an immune-compromised person at the game and next to him was another gentleman that ha- was not wearing his mask. It turned out to be uh, Gavin Newsom and Imagine Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> True story. There's a picture of them together. <laughs> All right, I did not see
1: that I didn't during the game this weekend. Glenn's Mr. Quiet today. No thoughts?
2: I know. Sorry, guys. I You just look at this and you go, man, what a bunch of scumbags. Who does that kind of stuff? And... It's all about money, and money chases, you know, money is chased by scumbags. But this is is like the low of the low. Like, oh my gosh, why would you do that?
1: Yeah, I'm hoping that the people hacked in and didn't know what they got, and then they will yield to the Red Cross's request not to do anything and to destroy the data. There actually have been instances of ransomware crews not knowing who they hit, and it could be like a charity or a nonprofit or a healthcare organization. And I've I've seen it that the ransomware crew says, okay, yeah, we we promised to destroy the data, but you must issue a press release saying that we agreed to these terms. And I guess for whatever positive PR they can get out of it, they they're extracting that from, from their victims since they can't monetize it. So hopefully that's the yeah, case this I, time. I, they just just destroyed the
2: data. Yeah, could you imagine though, Chris? I mean, I don't know if they think you said that. It's it's the fact that they can, you know, prey on these people that are so vulnerable trying to connect with with lost loved ones. And, you know, they find out that their loved ones trapped and or making pretend to be trapped. And there's like if you send five thousand dollars, we'll release this person out of jail or do something. Some some crazy far off fletched scenario. Right. It seems really odd. It
0: doesn't seem that far fletched. Right. I get text messages from people. You know, yeah. talking to me about their, their billions of dollars they need to launder in the United States. And I just need to send them 50 grand to do it. Yeah. yeah it's like a social yeah. engineering attack. Like how
1: yeah. some people will yeah. message somebody's grandma and say, oh, yeah, your, your grandson's locked up in jail. You need to money grandma, some bail money, and we'll get him out. But it's like that, but to the extreme. That says we've located your lost relative and we'll give you
0: their location for some amount of money. So at what point in time do you think, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, at, at what point in time do you think the FBI will be able to do like the whole like mind hunter thing, like actually profile them based off of their checkered past of what they're doing here? Because when I look at this, like, you know, 43 year old Brian would never take advantage of the situation. Right. But you know, 18 year old Brian, hmm, maybe right. Like, you know, I'm hungry. Daddy needs to eat. Like, or, or maybe not. Maybe I was, you know, I, I was fine. And I would never do that. I can't remember where I was, you know, from that, from a mental state back then. But maybe you can look at it like from a diversity standpoint. Like, what if you're coming from a, a country that literally has no concept of Red Cross, or maybe you do, but at the same time, like you're, you're, you know, you're initiating this attack from some, you know, twenty five year old PC, <laughs> and you're trying to, you're just trying to eat. You know what I mean? I think, I think we're pretty close to that at this point. Well, as you admitted on this podcast, I think
1: 18-year-old Brian was hacking into the grade database and changing grades for people. Socially
0: engineering, you know, (laughs) changing grades for profit, baby. (laughs) Entrepreneur. And I was 17, by the way. There you go. All right. So you learned a lot in a year and you
1: changed your ways. Yeah. 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 I think the ways people get in, like... Mapping things to like miter attack, I think is, is tremendously helpful because then you can start profiling these groups. Like this group is known to use RDP brute force. This group is known to use, uh, credential stuffing, or this group is known to using spear phishing links so they can profile it that way and be able to at least tie it to a group, tying it to like a psychological profile of someone that's doing this might be more challenging, but at least the attribution problem that that's probably
0: half the battle. Yeah, especially when you have a, a team of guys working together or girls working together on it. I can see how that could be challenging, but I think that there's some stuff that would give it away. I look at this and I have to think this has to be a younger group of misfits that are out there taking advantage of the system. Right, like they look at the language of the ransom notes. They look at
1: how well their English speaking skills are. If they're, if they're very poor, if they're very good at speaking English, then they can usually attribute to
0: some group. Or maybe your specialty is to come off sounding like an idiot. Me want money. (laughs) (laughs) And chicken wings.
1: Figure it out. Like like Kevin in that episode of The Office where he tries to minimize the number of words he speaks. Yeah. (laughs) That was a good one. All right. For our last topic, and it will be a rotating topic every week, this week I'm going to pose the question. If you wake up with 1 billion US dollars mysteriously in your bank account that you own free and clear and you owe no taxes on it, what is something you will still refuse to buy? So I'll go first. I have a few things that come to mind. I'll I'll just start with one. And I would never buy it even if I had a billion dollars free and clear. Brian is always joking about my frugality, so I'm sure he'll get a (laughs) kick out of this topic. Yeah. Yeah. number one thing I would not buy or invest in are hedge funds or so-called actively managed mutual funds. I read a report last week that in 2021, the average hedge fund made something like a 12% return for their clients, which is a somewhat healthy return. I'm not going to balk at 12%. But the hedge fund, Melvin Capital in particular, lost almost 40% last year betting against GameStop. This is not a backdrop where the S&P 500 was up 29% in 2021. So that means I could have paid a drunken monkey and given him my money, as long as he hit the buy SPY button, I would have made a three X higher return than the average hedge fund. And the average hedge fund takes a 2% management fee plus 30% of the profits. But for what, you know, a drunk monkey could have managed my money better. Unlike you, Chris, I I
2: am that drunken monkey, and no matter what I buy in, go the polar opposite, and you'll make money. (laughs) Because if I were to do this, I guarantee you I would just lose money regardless. Whether I bought EMC or sold EMC, I'd be in the same spot. So I'm better off sight unseen and just giving my money to someone to just blindly invest my money for me.
1: Like buying index funds, if you believe in the S&P or the NASDAQ or one of those, the in general you know over a 10, ten year period it, it's almost always up there are very few periods in history yeah. where the the major indexes are down over a 10 year period
2: i i i like i said i don't i don't do hedge funds i but i definitely do probably more mutual funds than anything else because those are very common oh i i'll tell you what i don't buy <laughs> and maybe in this late in my stage i don't buy insurance like whole life insurance um because it's just not worth it, right? You spend like $50 a month for, for you know, 40, 50 years to never see that money ever return in any state, right? And, and if it does, you're dead. So what does it matter at that point? It's uh, not worth it. I think it's not. So I don't know what you guys think about that.
1: Well, if you had a billion free and clear, I think you wouldn't need insurance. That would be your insurance, basically. Yeah, exactly. What do you try to do,
2: like is it like the lottery where you 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 spend a hundred million to go get like
0: two billion 10 billion insurance i don't know so i'm with glenn i'm gonna let somebody else manage my money i uh, i'm very risk adverse i think we've talked about that many times chris i uh i don't blame you though uh, for, for your your views on it for sure and i have i i have one actually two things but you have to promise that it will not be like something that goes on instagram (laughs) no promises Brian. (laughs) Uh, well then i can't say it i can't say it because you you can nft it later but yeah what else you got chris what else are you not buying while i still think of something that is kid friendly that's kind of like E. F. Hunt in here. When Chris talks, everyone listens. This is <laughs> investing one hundred and
1: one. Uh, okay, another thing I refuse to buy are in-game microtransactions. My wife always gives me hassle that I never use the in-game currency to speed up production, even if it's free in-game currency, but scarce. So I'll I'll wait sixteen hours for my cocoa tree to grow. That just means I stop playing the game for sixteen hours until I get the notification that my cocoa tree is good to go, but. That's one of the things I, I won't do. I don't pay for in game microtransactions if if the sole purpose of it is to
0: like speed things up. Are you just at that point in your relationship where you just like you've ran out of things to talk about? So we're gonna talk about in app purchases. <laughs> like I don't I have never, <laughs> ever even oh, I can't even fathom that, man. Well, we used to play a game together
1: and it was it was something like Farmville where you build up a town and you can like share things. So there was some collaboration involved in it and she would say, like, Oh, I need I need a, a rubber for my rubber factory. And I'm like, okay, I just planted it. Call me in 10 hours or let me know in 10 hours when the rubber's done. She's like, just use the in-game currency and give it to me instantly. And I said, no, I'll, I'll wait the 10 hours and you can wait
0: the 10 hours and I'll, I'll give it to you when it's ready. <laughs> I'm with you, though. If I were actually playing games, I'm not going to pay anything to have my, my Farmville Farmville crop produce you know more wheat and, and hay quicker. That's for sure.
2: <laughs> yeah i i'm with you i i don't believe in buying anything i mean i have a hard time buying applications on the apple store so <laughs> i try to look for every free way possible if there's open source or something i'll try that but yeah, yeah i try not to buy applications as much as i can
0: i would never buy apple care I'll, I'll go
2: avoid it apple care yeah i'm not buying apple i bought i did a couple times And I never used it. And I'm a sucker for warranties, right? I mean, (laughs) it's kind of (laughs) weird. But uh, I'll buy some and then I learn my lesson and then I don't buy it. Then I forget that I don't like warranties and then I buy them again. So I go through these cycles. And that really depends.
1: Yeah, the jury's out on that one for me, because I didn't buy the Apple Care, And then one of the iPhone cycles, just by chance and since because we we had a, a kid at that time, my wife and I both cracked our screens. And we just for the next phone, we bought it and said, well, we'll have a young kid, we better buy it for this one. And then yeah, as soon as we bought it, literally nothing happened. But I do know people that said, yeah, it was worth it. They their keyboard on their MacBook gave out and they, they got to replace no problem or Somebody's screen died on their MacBook and they got to replace. No problem. So I've heard both of them. I, I I don't think it's a huge scam. I think it is risk. It's 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 hedging your risk.
2: Yeah, I I tell you what. I don't buy. I don't buy if I buy a new a new Toyota or Honda. I don't buy the warranty for that car. But if I'm buying a foreign European car you're damn right I'm buying the warranty on that because those cars are pretty pricey as far as maintenance and, and repairs are concerned. Call me crazy.
1: Yeah, it's the cost of mm-hmm. repair and the reliability. Like Mercedes for the longest time, horrible, horrible reliability for, for Mercedes and Maserati. Maserati to this day, like go look for a used Maserati. They're all at about twenty to 30,000 miles because it is a quagmire and they've just never improved their reliability. So yeah, if it's something like that and you know it's a, a really poor brand well number one don't buy it but number two if you have to buy it then it might be worth it to get the warranty but honda toyota these cars with really really good reliability records yeah i agree it's it's not a not a good investment i
2: i, I will tell you what's been pretty cool and I'll, I'll i'll kind of shift here the uh my 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 father rest his soul he's got a tesla and and uh, and that thing no oil change. He's owned it for almost two years now. No oil change. I just got to get the tires rotated. I, I don't know if there's a maintenance. I got to go look to see if there's a maintenance, maintenance on the car. But it's been pretty maintenance free for the last two years. And he's got about 11,000 miles on there. That's pretty amazing.
1: Yeah, it's tires. And then the brakes at 100K and just check fluids. That's, that's about it. Yeah. Yeah, pretty cool. All right, Brian. Enough time has passed. What's your thing that you'll never buy?
0: I can. No, you're gonna NFT it, man. You're gonna, If my <laughs> if my kids were not listening to stuff, then I would I would say it. You have to catch me later on it. All right. So I'll, I'll say one more thing that uh, maybe it'll get Brian to
1: engage on this conversation. Uh, one is a, a gym membership. So as as frugal as Brian makes me out to be, I'm a. Uh-oh. I'd rather pay a thousand dollar once for something rather than twenty dollars a month for something. That's just how I'm built. Like you know, if I even you know, do the ROI calculations, that's that's just how, how it is. Like if I buy a treadmill, I buy some weights, and at most I'll pay for an Apple Fitness Plus subscription, but not a gym membership, because I know the second I put that, you know, ten dollars a month down or whatever, I'm just never gonna go. It's just gonna be a suck on the bank account. And that's actually one reason I went with Logic Pro. So I use Logic Pro to edit the podcast instead of Adobe's product, because for Apple, you can outright buy the software. You you buy it once you own it forever, but Adobe, you have to
0: subscribe to their creative cloud to access their software. So, yeah, I think you're weird for not getting a gym membership, Uh, but you know, rest assured, like one day, right. When I, you know, buy my, my, my compound and have this like giant area that I can call like the iron paradise. I would love to fill it up full of weights and machines and, treadmills but i just don't have the room for it now and i can't even fathom trying to get a a a at-home workout compared to like what i get at the gym but i go six days a week so there's that yeah i'm just trying to not get fat so
2: i i i have a different view on that and i got this from you guys all know guy right yeah and he's convinced me to get a personal trainer and i know it sounds like a lot but it's 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 i'm i'm nearing 50. don't don't uh don't tell the audience that but i'm sure they're gonna hear it and i'm at that point in my life where i need someone to tell me what to do and it's the one place where i can go for about an hour three days a week and they just tell me what to do and i just i'm a great soldier i follow right if you were to ask me to go to a gym and gave me give gave me gym membership I would just sit there and just listen to music, watch people watch, and then go home for after an hour. And I'd probably do a couple things here and there, but I, I wouldn't have the drive to go figure out what it is I wanted to work on. And, you know, the person that I'm working with has done a really good job in, in making me making me pretty fit. So I think it's a great investment for me. I don't think of it as a waste of money. I think it is an investment in my health. I think it's worth
0: the money for me. So the gym is my my happy place. So yeah going uh, there's really no other place i'd rather be like i go there in the morning and if i can go there again at night i would totally be there and yeah. i love the, i love the ideas of personal trainers but i i've gone through and i would say probably in the last 10 years i've had two different personal trainers and i kind of feel uh-huh. like is this a gimmick And I'll, i'm curious if you're running into the same thing it's like hey we're gonna do like this circuit of stuff to get you winded get your heart rate up uh-huh. and hit you know some muscle groups that maybe you haven't done before and then I just feel like, uh, okay, well, that was great, but I get a better workout when I do it myself. Do you feel like the? Yeah. Is it a circuit for you as well, or the? What are they, are they just trying to get your heart rate up?
2: No, no. I, I think you know we we had a long discussion. I've been actually I've been doing this for about nine months now. We have a long discussion about my goals, um, and and I told them things that I want to work on, things that I don't necessarily care for, and we kind of go towards that. There are a couple of things that he makes me do that I don't care for, but I just do it because I, I, you know, he just makes me do it. Like one thing that he was trying to make me do was, was do deadlifts and squats. And every time I did that, it would just ruin my back. And I would just tell him like, like, Hey, listen, I, I love the fact that you're trying to make me into a power lifter. That's not where I want to go. I just want to, I just want to lean out um, and, and do that. I, I think Brian and Chris, I think when I get to that point where, okay, I think I've gone as far as I can with him. I'll probably go someplace else, but for right now, it's just the mental of getting away, having someone tell me what to do, and then they tell me which muscle groups or muscle parts to work on, it is it works for me, right? As opposed to like me trying to figure out, okay, like this is Monday, I've got to work on biceps and arms and shoulders, and this is you know Wednesday, I got to work on legs. I just I don't want to I don't want to keep track of that right now. It's not something that I want that I want to worry about, and not only that form i'm starting to learn form is huge when you're lifting weights so totally is which is yeah are they yeah and i'm bad i'm bad at form are they helping so, you with nutrition as well uh he's trying okay. <laughs> that's probably the one place where the one spot where he, he i'm I'm failing or he's failing me that we're, he, we started off on a diet and that that hasn't worked or panned out to what it what i should be doing I'd probably be in a different spot.
1: Yeah, I think it's like there's there's no one-size-fit-all solution for fitness. Some some people need motivation yeah. with a trainer. Yeah. Some people need a destination to, or a gym. That's your happy place, your quiet place. And then some people just want to do it in the comfort of their home. So I think there's different, definitely different preferences for different people. Well, we continue to get great comments about our dad joke of the week. Dad joke of the week. This week, I'm up. So, you guys, I went to a wedding last week where the bride and groom were both Wi-Fi technicians. I got to tell you, the reception was amazing.
0: <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> wah, wah, wah.
1: <laughs> All right, to wrap things up, the Halo TV show comes out on March 24th on Paramount+. Plus. iPhone users are not in the clear when it comes to persistent attacks. The U.S. should brace itself for collateral data-wiping malware attacks. A bunch of scumbags hacked into the Red Cross and stole a bunch of sensitive data. And do not invest in hedge funds if you like making money. That's all we have for this week. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. You can find us all on LinkedIn. Links will be in the description. Follow us on Instagram at pebcacpodcast. Thank you to all our listeners and subscribers who rated us five stars in the iTunes store and Spotify and left us a review. We appreciate you spreading the word to help grow the show. The best way to find us is to search for the Pepcak podcast on your favorite podcast listening app. My co-hosts Brian Deach and Glenn Medina. I'm Chris Lee Thanks for listening. We'll see y'all next week. And as always, have a nice day. Bye, Chris. Thanks, everyone.
2: Have a nice day.